Recently, conviction and reverence has gotten a bad rap. Many have swung the pendulum and have overreacted and overcorrected because of the abuse of extreme legalism and boundary-stricken Christianity that has wounded so many. But in overacting to legalism, one has to wonder if we've left the ancient path of holiness and lost the all-important, spiritually vital component of awe and reverence. In a world where holiness is out and authenticity is in, perhaps we have slid too far down the road of I'm just being true to myself. In this episode of Keep 100, we will take on the weighty conversation of the vanishing awe and the rediscovery of wonder. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everybody, it's Sean and Krista Smith with the Keep It 100 podcast. We are so excited to be with you this week. Yo, what's going on family? Come on, since we've been with you last, we've been to some really cool places and we have seen God move powerfully, right Sean? Yes, we have. Oh my goodness. A couple weeks ago, I was at Life Center and I was at a women's conference and we saw God minister to so many women. So many women were set free. There were testimonies of healing. There were testimonies of deliverance. And what I love is just the amount of salvations we saw that weekend. I mean, for me, I think being married to you have caught that passion for souls and we saw something like 75 on sunday god's so good we're in such a harvest season we are oh my goodness and meanwhile i was outside of the houston area in texas speaking to college students yes. at the sam state kyle shout out to them kyle hey. nation and man so many People were saved, healed, but we had a night of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it was so cool to see college students get baptized in the Holy Ghost. That just brought me back. When I was a college student, I got filled and so wanted to witness to everything that moved. And then we both went to CFNI, Christ for the Nations Institute. We did. We had such an amazing time. We had a few days with Christ for the Nations. And we so believe in that training and equipping center has such a rich legacy of who's come out of that place. Uh, But God, I believe, is really breathing on that school once again, just to really raise up this next generation of missionaries, of people called the marketplace. And just our part in that is just, you know, speaking at chapels. And then Sean spoke at the TNE, which is the Tuesday night encounter, which is really a regional meeting. And we saw God move. It was really amazing. It's so powerful. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a big history move of God, dude. Right. It's so powerful to know at CFNI that back in the day you had Gordon and Frida Lindsay, who were the founders, and Gordon Lindsay uh, chronicled the Voice of Healing movement and brought to the attention of, of the nations of the world, just the healing power of God. So it was an honor to be there at the school they founded, and it's being carried on very well uh, by the next generation of Lindsay. So we were we were yeah. blessed to be there. It's amazing. We just want to thank all our listeners. We know that so many of you pray for us and you intercede for us and you're championing us in your hearts and in your prayers. And we're just so grateful because our victories are your victories and we're just seeing God move in such a powerful way. And so we just want to thank you for partnering with us, not just in the podcast, but we know so many of you pray for our ministry and we're just super grateful for that. As we jump in this week, I'm so excited about this topic because it really came from a sermon that Sean just got a recent download from the Lord about the awe of God. And we're titling this week called Worldly Shock versus Godly Awe. 
love. I love it. When Sean preached this word, I thought, oh my goodness, this is a national word. We have to hear this. And so we thought, what better platform than to bring it as a topic on our podcast? We feel like this is such an important, important conversation. And you know, I kind of want to bring to the table a current event that just happened within our society. And many of you already know it's about the Little Nas X Nike shoes. Now this really hit, you know, the Twitter world and the internet world and the social media world like wildfire because it was so not only blatant, but really demonic and just so in our faces as Christians and really a temperature gauge as to where we're at. Now, for some of you that don't know what I'm talking about, let me just explain it to you real quick. Little Nas and this company called Mischief, and they bought shoes from Nike company and they created what they called Satan shoes. You heard me right. Satan shoes for those of you that don't know. And it had like a pentagram on it. It had Luke 10, 18 on it, which is the verse, you know, that says in the word of God, I saw him fall like lightning. And it's obviously referencing Satan. And then they only made 666 pairs of shoes and they sold them for $1,018, which was the reference of the Luke 10, 18 verse. And in the sole of the shoe, I guess there were six employees that came together. They all gave a vial of blood and they took a drop of that collected six people's blood. You heard me right. Human blood in the sole of every shoe. And what it represents is a demonic agreement of what these shoes could be. And what's really telling to me was what little Nas chose to put on the box. And that was this, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And it was such a picture of this young man's mentality. Now, let me back up and give you a little bit of his background, because I think it's really important. This kid has come out as gay, and he's living a current active homosexual lifestyle. And he says that while he was in his high school years, and he was in church, and he says all he heard was a gospel that made him hate himself. All he heard was a gospel that made him hate who he was and hate his gay lives. And you know, um, I saw actually some amazing pastors responses to this. And one of my favorites was actually Chris Durso, who we've had on our podcast a couple times. And I think he responded with such wisdom. He's like, Hey, I don't agree with the gay lifestyle. Of course, I'm never going to veer from the word of God, but pastors and leaders, let us take note that this kid heard a message that made him hate himself. And we can't always manage how people respond to the gospel, right? There's a healthy, conviction, Holy Spirit, that that comes from hearing the word of God. But I do think it highlights, we really want to have a message that never dilutes the gospel. Hear that point blank. Let us anchor, let us anchor that in all of us. We are never, Sean and I, and so many other leaders we know that are awesome, are never going to veer away from the truth and the word of God. You can't manipulate it. You can't edit it. You can't add to it. It is what it is and it's unchangeable and it's perfect. And so we stand with that truth, but we also at the same time want people to experience the love of God because everything that Jesus did on the cross was for the love of God. So here's this kid that really is a cry for help. And I don't want to get too far into that. But to me, it was such a picture. We're in a society that 666 self-titled Satan shoes sold out in less than one minute. And here's what's crazy. Nike is now suing them. And so all the shoes are on recall, but you and I both know majority of those shoes are not going to be returned. In fact, they'll probably be sold for more money because everyone wants a little bit of profit, even when it's demonic profit. But we have to understand of the picture that it paints that we're in the society, that there's such an irreverence for the things that are holy. There's such an irreverence for the things that we call sacred. And we're at a time where we felt like this so connected with this topic of worldly shock versus godly awe. You know, it's so true. And hey, I just want to throw in there, hey, Satan shouldn't be on your feet. He should be underneath your feet. (laughs) 
yes. But my heart does go out to little Nas X. Uh, We need to really pray for him. We do. I I really believe that Satan always overplays his hand. And it's obvious that this young man's hurting. And so our response as the body of Christ really should be to pray. But I think it is somewhat understanding that as a culture, we have lost our shock. You know, we've lost that place of kind of a godly outrage. Not outrage where we're mad and we're going off on people and we got in the flesh. But that there's no way you should hear this and not have your heart broken for Little Nas X to see him saved, not angry at the enemy. The enemy's not Little Nas X. He's a captive of the enemy. The enemy is the devil. And that he wants to mark a generation by putting this on their feet, whereas God wants their feet to be the ones that bring good news. And I was thinking about this whole thing of the X Factor, because also this last week in the hip hop community was not only impacted by Little Nas X and those Nike Air 97s featuring the satanic symbol, but also Earl Simmons, aka DMX. tragically passed away from a heart attack at 50. Mm. And he described and he, he let it be known that he had an early lifestyle of addiction. But by his own words, he had a 180 degree transformation as he gave up, quote, a sinful life to become a man of God, unquote. So and awesome. he also, I, I read someplace he was a deacon in his Christian church. And the cool part is DMX credits God for overcoming drug addiction. If you were I to do a, that. go on YouTube and type in his name, you'd they show prayer meetings where the guy would either before or after his rap concert, he would go into prayer. But it's interesting, DMX is, from what I understand, his last collaboration was with an evangelist out of Northern California, uh, who's a part of Soldiers of the Cross, that's the name of their ministry. And this DMX a collaboration was entitled Prayer. And this new single prayer kicks off with someone speaking in tongues, and then the intro wow. line, Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. Ooh. So think of the contrast of that. I mean, really what we just talked about, Little Nas, DMX, these are two current stories that are contrasting two modern movements, really. One of reverence and one of irreverence. And I think that is such a great lead in to really what we're talking about today. You know, we're talking about getting the awe of God back in your life. And this is really heaven's indispensable component. There is this awe and this wonder you and I are given as a gift. And yet so many of us just cast it aside. We don't understand the beauty of the awe and the reverence that we're called to walk in with Jesus. You know, the definition of awe, just so we're all on the same page, we love to give some definition to create a context to what we're talking about. Definition of awe is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, fear produced by that which is grand, sublime, as in the awe of God. It's an attitude of wonder and an attitude of respect. You know, the University of Pennsylvania researchers define awe as an emotion of self-transcendence, a feeling of admiration and elevation in the face of something greater than oneself. Wow. That is profound. I love that definition. And I really do believe that awe is what transforms you from just feeling like you're doing this dutiful walk of serving the Lord, keeping away from the don'ts, doing the do's. But when you have awe, you rediscover the fascination Mm. of God who is called the desire of the nations. And everything that you do for God is run on the fuel of awe. I love that. You know, as we jump into our Hundo P segment, Sean and I are going to be asked some key questions that we're going to answer and break this down. In what ways have you seen where we have declined in the area of the awe of God? That is a great question. And I was thinking about this question a little bit because there definitely has been a decline in the awe of God. I was recently visiting with a friend who came into the city to visit a ministry. And as he came into the city, I I drove out to get some good time with him. He travels. He's an itinerant. He works with a lot of young adults and young pastors. 
And he told me, he said that he was out in a big city on the East Coast. And as he was, that he got together with a bunch of hipster pastors. And some of them he was invited in. He was pouring into leadership and speaking into the pastors and some other ones that they were part of a great movement out there. And my friend and these hipster pastors, they went out uh, afterwards, I don't know, someplace like Applebee's. And as they were sitting down, all of a sudden, all the other guys begin to order uh, alcohol. And if, if I recall the story correctly, uh, more hard alcohol. And then they all looked at my friend, who's a pastor, and they said, hey, man, aren't you going to order a drink? And he first says, no, I'm good. And then it's funny, they began to put pressure on him wow. and kind of put him on the spot for not participating in their social drinking. And then he thought, okay, it's time just to speak up. He says, hey, man, I don't drink because that stuff right there destroyed my family. And I, I recognize the damage it, it could do. And he just began to talk to him about it. And again, we're, we're not talking about, you know, different people have different convictions as to whether or not they could have a glass of wine in the confines of their home with their loved ones. This is not what we're talking about. This is pastors out in a public place. And it seems like the liquor was more hard liquor. And he talked about, yeah, you know, you guys feel the freedom to do that and everything, but what about your influence? What about the people yeah, that you're leading? I came out of a background where that hurt my family, destroyed right. my family. Family. Right. And then he began to say, he says, uh, what about your kids? Because all of these pastors, they had kids. He says, you, you you know, your kids are watching you. How would you feel if your kids started doing it? And they go, oh man, come on, man. Don't throw that stuff at me. And he says, well, think about it. You're somebody's kids mm -hmm. because they acknowledge that they didn't want their kids to do it. And I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know, I think we've seen a decline in the sense that the one guy that didn't drink felt put on the spot. And I wonder if sometimes that we've kind of embraced what we feel as an authenticity Right. But I believe it's kind of morphed more into a blanket approval, like people saying, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. But somewhere along the lines, we've adopted this come as you are, stay there if you like mentality, where no one, much less God, could challenge that way of thinking and lead you on a different path. And so I really have seen a decline in awe in terms of what people feel free to do in the name of I'm just being true to myself, when the real issue is we're called to be true to God and true to his mm. spirit. My goodness, that is so good. And you know, I think there has to be a check in our relationships with one another where we have the openness to be able to check one another in love, but there has to be an ability where we kind of go, hey, I want to call you higher. I want to remind you of your first love convictions because so many people settle into their relationship with Jesus. And I think it's so key that the one that wasn't drinking was the one that felt like put on spot. He put some challenge out there and not only was it not received, um, it was kind of like pushed back on him him. And my goodness, that shows they've lost their awe, right? You've lost their awe when you can't have a conversation that might include some possible conviction. I think that that's what's really important here. You know, I would answer that question. It's such a great question. And it's like, We've declined in the area of the awe of God because I feel like we are really comfortable at looking at Jesus as our friend, but we have forgotten he's our savior mm -hmm. and he's our master so good. and he's our Lord. Because I think the awe of God, the reverence of the Lord comes when you know he's your savior. He's not just your buddy. He's not just your homeboy. It's like he's so much greater than that. This is the God who was resurrected on the third day, who defeated sin, who defeated Satan. He is 
the ultimate supreme authority, the great I am. And when you understand who he is, his authority, his power, his sovereignty, there's an awe that comes back of, oh my goodness, I get to be in relationship with this God, the one true God. And you know, so many testimonies of so many of our listeners are like that. These dramatic situations where God intervened and only through the grace and the power of God and the demonstration of his authority are we even alive today. And yet we forget, we move on, we become familiar, and in our familiarity, we lose our reverence. Wow, that is so true. And I think what has happened is that we look at conviction, and I think a generation look at conviction and backed off of it, of like, man, I don't want to come under condemnation, and so we're going to shift our conviction. But I just want to challenge any of our listeners that conviction is not condemnation. That's right. It, it's an invitation. Yeah, it's that's an invitation good. of freedom. It's an invitation of wholeness. It's an invitation to intimacy with God. And it's so key that we recognize that conviction is not a bad thing. It allows us to be transformed because the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Second question. What do you feel has contributed to this trend away from reverence and the fear of the Lord? You know, I grew up in a time in the 80s where there was definitely a holiness trend that was happening in the church in the 80s, but it was rooted in a lot of legalism and fear. And because it was rooted in legalism and fear, it turned off so many of my peers. To date, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and there's so many Gen Xers that have left the church and left their faith because of legalism they experienced. And here's what I think is so important. And it's just my it's my story. But you know, I was really blessed where although I was surrounded by legalism and religion, I was I didn't experience it in my home by my parents. And my parents were the ones that were my key influence on my relationship with Jesus. And they were the ones that were demonstrating the true gospel, the love of Jesus to all people, no matter what their walk. And there was a privilege that I was taught. And there was an awe and a wonder and a reverence of God that wasn't rooted in fear of consequence per se, although there are our consequences to sin. It was rooted of God did so much for me. What a privilege I have to give my life to him. There was an awe, but also a joy in the giving of my life to him. And I found myself wanting to honor him in every phase of my life. That doesn't mean I always nailed it. Doesn't mean I always did it right. And doesn't not mean I always made every decision right. But it wasn't fear or shame that brought me back into a right relationship. It was the love of Jesus. And so I think so many people have swung away from the holiness lifestyle and holiness message and they've lost their reverence and there's so much sin and double-mindedness in their life because they so they so hated religion, they so hated legalism that the pendulum has swung so far the other way that they've allowed all this compromise in their life, not even realizing that the compromise is actually robbing them of the awe and the reverence. That's such a beautiful aspect of our relationship with Jesus. I stand in awe of God so much when I'm especially in worship or after service, I've seen God move and I'm like, wow, God, you show up every time. You love every person. Like, you know exactly what's going on with someone. We have no idea, but God is so in tune, so in touch, so tangible, so real, so in daily pursuit of his sons and his daughters. And there is such a natural response. When you love someone, you want to give them your best, not out of performance. Please hear that. This is not a works thing. Works are not going to get you to heaven, but a love relationship 
relationship, a laid down life, a surrendered life that says, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. I worship you. I stand in awe of you. I stand in reverence of you. That's what the essence, that's the foundation of the, the, this relationship with Jesus is all about. You know, we've entitled this podcast, Keeping It 100, which obviously is a reference to being real. But I think maybe in a worldly sense, maybe we've settled for just being real when we could have pursued real holiness. And holiness in this whole thing is so important because the Bible is very clear on the fact that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Well, the Bible also tells us concerning those that draw near to God, he must be regarded as holy. So at the end of the day, you want to be near to God. I haven't talked to anyone uh, that is in the body of Christ. It says, hey, I don't want, because even some of the deconstruction has taken place is that they're questioning old beliefs, but they're saying, we want to get back to the Sermon on the Mount. We want to get back to Jesus. Well, here's the bottom line. If you want Jesus to draw near to you, that passage says you have to draw near to him. But the same Bible that says you got to, when you draw near to God, says you can't draw near to him without holiness. Mm. So at the end of the day, you sabotage the very desire of what you're after if you don't take awe and reverence and the fear of the Lord and not fear like an abusive dad. Our, our God in heaven is not an abusive father. Absolutely not. But fear in a sense that feels safe, that he is my redeemer, but I feel the fear of God that he'll be my judge. And that, mm. that's just the truth of it. You know, when I think about this question about what's contributed to the trend away from reverence, I think as a church, we started to try to fit into the world. And it was kind of mm. uh, initially yeah, the so thought true. is we wanted to reach them. And so we started trying to fit in the world. Then the world kind of started to like us. Then we started to be less and less like the church. That would be Jesus' church. Then we shifted our end game where it was just how many people we could get in the building. And before you knew it, we were out for the same things as those that don't know God. And there was an old joke. And the old joke is, what's the difference between the world and the church? The answer, about 10 years. <laughs> and I say right now, perhaps even less. Because this trend is because we have to get back partially to having a reverence for God and a reverence for his word. You can't hear the word of God and begin to say, well, I don't, I don't, that's not my conviction. I don't believe that because at that point in time, you just left God's perspective. So you're not following God. You're following Twitter. You're not mm. following. You, you can click like on somebody on Twitter, but Jesus, when you follow him, he calls for complete alignment, not just a, occasional like on the scripture passage you enjoy and that mm. in some ways is consistent with the way you want to live your life. Ooh, my goodness. That what you just said, if our listeners catch anything on the podcast, catch what Sean just said. That was powerful and so packed with so much wisdom and truth because so many of us, we want to walk in a reverence, but I'm going to add one more thing. We've allowed disappointment, even disillusionment so to true. erode our wonder. You know, so many people are disappointed right now. So many people are walking in disillusionment. Things are not what they thought they would be. And when that happens, there is such a, a narrative that is waiting to be filled and who's going to write the narrative. You really have a choice of who's writing your narrative in the midst of disappointment and disillusionment. And so many people are listening to the wrong voices right now. And that wrong voice has eroded the reverence for God. And we know, all of us know, Sean and I know what it's like to set some expectations and experience a shortfall, experience yep. a disappointment. Yep. But, you know, our disappointment, it can be in an institution, a person or a program, but friends, our God is perfect. We may not always understand him. We may not always know his way or or understand everything in the way he's gone about things. However, I have a, a, a confidence
evidence that because God is for us, because God has literally created us and woven us like Psalm 139 says, he's woven us in the wombs and he knew us in our very substance. He's He's created us with plans and purposes. And because of that, I have a confidence that his plans and purposes will go forth because he's a good, good father. Third question. Why is all reverence and the fear of God so important to Christianity? I think first of all, is God created you to have wonder in your heart. That's the reason why you enjoy a sunset. That's the reason why you're drawn to Mm. art. The reason why you enjoy fashion so much. There's something inside of you when someone hits a note, when someone composes a song, when someone has these lyrics in their line, the bars that are just so incredible, the athlete does the thing they're not supposed to do, that we sit in awe, but we're created for wonder and awe. And I'd read this article one time that many of the Gen Zs and millennials, some of them will want to go back and watch their shows, ironically, the wonder years. (laughs) And part of it is they're trying to recapture the lost wonder of their childhood. Mm. But the truth be told, God created you for that and you will either fill that space, that awe appetite, that wonder desire with either the things of God in which you'll be drawn towards God himself or you'll allow uh, substitutes to fill that, and then you'll be drawn away from God. Psalms 89 verse 7 says, Mm. God is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. So the two words that jump out there is he's to be feared, he's to be held in reverence. Why is that so important? Because God himself requires that of people who would assemble with him, people who are called saints of God, and by those who want to be around God. If you want to be around him, You have to understand what he desires and requires from you. You know, I'm going to add to that. The only thing that has the power to defeat fear is fear. Oh my God. Say that again. That is so profound. The only thing that has power to defeat fear is fear. Mm. And when the greater fear of God rules your heart, you'll be free of all the lesser fears that chip away at your life. So it's the fear of God that's going to defeat the fear in your life. William Grinnell wrote the book, The The Christian in Complete Armor. Great book. And his quote, yes, his quote is, we fear man so much because we fear God so little. I love that. We fear man so much because we fear God so little. If my life isn't shaped by the fear of God, the awe, the reverence of God, it will be shaped by the fear of man. Wow. I would throw in two because first of all, that is so profound. Just if you're not shaped by the fear of God, you'll be shaped by the fear of man. Boy, we see that in this day. Yes, we do. When we walk away from awe, and I'll, I'll just call it awe amnesia, awe amnesia always leads to awe replacement. And what we do is we replace vertical awe, that would be awe for God, we replace vertical awe with horizontal addiction Ooh, and obsessions. That's so good. So many people right now could be set free of that online porn thing, the, that addiction to whatever that substance is, the obsession towards bad behavior, you could be set free in a moment if you would receive the awe of God back in your life. The awe of God, the fear of the Lord would keep you from that because what you're doing is you're allowing a horizontal addiction to replace a vertical awe. Because what does all do? All compels and inspires me to leave my sins behind so you can run with Jesus. DMX describes this when he talks about how he got delivered from drugs 
And what happens is he met Jesus and that all compelled and inspired him to leave the drugs behind. Mm, that's so true. You know, and just like that, awe motivates us to listen to God's warnings, Ooh. right? When we're living in a place of awe and wonder, when God actually like pokes something, when he points something at us, puts his finger on something, he highlights something, and you just have that knowing, that sense, that understanding that, uh-uh, that's not for you. You know, you can feel that protection of God going, nope, don't, don't go there. There's that natural response of, oh, Lord, out of your love, you protect me. Out of your love, you guard me. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your protection. It's not a restriction. It's a protection when you live from the awe of God. You know, and awe fuels my devotion to my Savior in my day-to-day life. That's how I'm able to stay in a daily relationship with Jesus is because that awe and that natural wonder that comes from that revelation of the reverence of my God. You know, I think for every follower of Jesus, there's that time for them when Jesus went from interesting to stunning. From intriguing to jaw-dropping, from inspiring to everything. And I can remember that moment as a a young believer. Christian, you've heard me share this, that I went over to Argentina. They were in the midst of a revival in the 90s, and I was part of a a platform, a miracle crusade ministry. I got pulled out in the audience to pray for people. And all of a sudden, this grandmother was brought up to me, and she said through an interpreter that she was blind, and she believed that if I prayed for her, God would open her eyes. I'm a young believer. I don't really have a, a, I had a fledgling healing minister. I joke and say, if you had a ringing ear or a runny nose, come to Brother Smith. I could pray you through. But if you had anything higher up on the food chain than a ringing ear or a runny nose, you better find somebody else. So she's coming to me. And then she had a primitive walking stick uh, compared to what we would think. She didn't even have irises or pupils. She had this white milky substance. Oh she said, I believe if you pray for me. Well, I went through all these struggles, man. You ever do that where you're praying so long, you hope that the people you're praying for forget as to why they asked you to pray for them to begin with? Totally. You're trying to find a way out. Yes. So I reluctantly kind of started a prayer and then I ended it with, Lord, touch your eyes. She screams. My eyes were closed. I opened my eyes just in time to see irises and pupils form right before my eyes. Oh my goodness. Uh, these beautiful hazel eyes. And if you've never seen that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the birth of my children. I'm thinking about the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I could not sleep that night. Uh, by the way, she was totally healed. She got her eyesight back. We were immediately mm. whisked Come up on, on the Jesus. platform. She shared her testimony. And then they had me pray for all the blind people in the entire arena and blind people's eyes. You could, you could hear people saying, mios, mios, my eyes, my eyes. Wow. And they were healed. And I stayed up that night looking at the Bible, looking up at the ceiling saying, God, you really do do this. But mm. my point is, is once I saw that, I recognized you and I are meant to be mystified, yeah. blown away and left in speechless amazement because God created us for that. And when a God, after you've seen that, God asks you to give up something in your life. He asks you to surrender a sacrifice. You do it. And there's so many people that my concern for him is that you've never had that awe-inspiring encounter with Jesus because your questioning proves you haven't had this moment yet. Oh. And I pray that you would get it because it takes that awe-inspiring encounter with God to transform our lives, our life's sinful selfishness to sanctified surrender. Mm, my goodness. You know, I've heard that story before being your wife and it rocks me every time. You know, I've never seen a miracle to that degree. I've seen mm. miracles, but not like that. And I hear that and I'm like, that's my God. Like, that's my God. And it provokes me. And I hope it provokes the listeners where, gosh, if he can show you that, Lord, show us that. And I'm reminded because I was like, okay, what are some simple ways I've experienced the awe of God? Because not everyone has maybe seen the irises 
uh, pupils of an eye formed. And Lord, I want to see that. Please let us see it. You know, I've seen even in really simple ways where I've just loved on someone and I've gotten a word out in the marketplace. I'm in the grocery store. I'm in Starbucks. I'm just in the simple. And I've just felt like a word for someone. I could tell they're having a tough day and I've just stopped and I've just ministered to the person. And with tears in their eyes, they're like, you don't even know I needed to hear that today. And I stand in awe because I see God's love coming through my life, but I just see the kindness of God meeting people and and using you and I, when we actually just stop and we're willing to be interrupted, we're willing to put things in our to-do list on pause for a moment, actually look at the person in front of us, connect with the person of customer service that we're talking to on the phone at that moment, or just in the midst of our life, we take time. And when you allow God to minister through you and you just take that plunge, that risk, you will experience the awe of God because you'll be like, wow, God, you love them. I've been so ministered into my life simply by seeing God love on people through me. And it's not even that I benefit beyond, it's just watching someone else get touched by the love of Jesus. And I watch their awe and I go, oh my gosh, yeah, that's the kindness of God. So the awe of God can come so many packages, so many ways, so many vehicles. And I just want all of you as listeners to be open to the awe of God moving in your life that he wants you to experience this. We're not just talking about this topic because it's a nice topic. We believe there's an impartation and we want you guys to grab a hold of this. God wants to move through you in the awe of God because he wants you to rediscover the awe of God. You know, as always, we do keep it 100 takeaways. And this week we have five awe truths you must know about. The first takeaway for this week is be present in God's presence. I love this because, you know, I heard a pastor this past fall make this statement and it's really stuck with me and it so applies to this truth. And that is when you're spending time with God, spend time with God, you know, to really refuse to allow distraction when you're in your connection, your quiet time with God. You know, it is so easy in the midst of my quiet time. I have to like turn my phone on airplane mode. I have to turn off, you know, the computer. I'm making sure the TV's not all the things, the things that want to pull me away. My, my mail can wait. Uh, my email can wait. My work demands can wait. I, I heard this pastor say this statement. He said this, God hates it when you multitask. And that statement for me was convicting. I wasn't condemning, but it was convicting. I was like, whoa, you know, how many times have I tried to multitask spending time with God? So I simply make this statement because I've been applying it to my time with the Lord. And that is when I'm with God, when I'm spending time reading the word, when I'm spending time praying, when I'm spending time worshiping God, I am understanding more and more than ever what it is to be present in God's presence, to understand when I'm spending time with God, spend time with God. I think right along with that is so many people in worship or in a service or in a quiet time, they're waiting to be wowed by God, Mm, but I'm not waiting to be wowed by God. I'm like, wow, God. Mm. Look at who you are. I love that. Second, keep it 100 takeaway is awe is a magnet for the miraculous and outbreaks of God. I can't tell you how many different people that I've read about in terms of revivals that describe that right before revival broke out, that there was a remnant of people that began to have an awe for God. And even in the great Welsh revival, there was a young teenage girl, Flory was her name. And in the middle of a prayer meeting, Flory said, oh, I love Jesus with all my heart. And many people cite that as the beginning of the great Welsh revival. And of course, Evan Roberts kind of picked up the baton. 
I could probably run off 12 different revivals where the awe of God was at the forefront and there was such an awe. And it's funny because the exact opposite of awe is familiarity. And Jesus in Luke chapter four, he was in Nazareth and he said, is this not a man who is among us? Isn't he just a carpenter? We know his brothers and sisters. And the Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty work there. And the reason why he couldn't do any mighty work there, it was not because he couldn't do mighty works. He could, but that their lack of awe acted as the opposite of a magnet. If you had those magnets when you were a kid, one side attracted the magnet, the other side repelled. Mm. So the flip side of awe is familiarity. Awe attracts the miraculous, mm. but flippancy or familiarity repels it. Ooh. So Jesus left yeah. Nazareth and then he went down the road and it says they recognized him. They ran to him and they brought people. And it says everyone that was would essentially touched Jesus was healed. So we see the contrast in Luke 4 of the awe familiarity uh, continuum. And we see that awe is that magnet. Oh, that's so good. The third takeaway this week is when you lose your awe, you lose the room in you for the new. And I love this because this is, this could not be more true. When you lose your awe of who God is, you lose your ability to make room, to make an access point, to make an on-ramp for the new thing that God wants to do in you. When you have the awe and the understanding that God's our deliverer, he can set you free. And where you were once in bondage in that area, God actually wants to replace it with the freedom and the fruit of his spirit. Say that. You know, he wants to remove the depression and bring the joy. He wants to take the turmoil and bring the peace. He wants to break the anxiety and bring the hope. I mean, our God is all about transaction. He's all about replacing where the devil thought he had the final say. God brings in his intention, his plans, his purpose, his fruit, his spirit. And what I love is when you have an awe of God, you receive the new thing. You receive the transformation. You actually expect transformation. You actually expect and you look for the new thing when you're in the awe because you're like, you know how big my God is? You know how it's possible because with God, anything's possible. You expect. It. it changes your whole trajectory. It changes your perspective. It changes your expectation for the life you're called to live and for our daily in and out of doing relationship with Jesus. We expect to evolve. We expect to grow. We expect to become better, walk in greater breakthrough, walk in a deeper love relationship. But if you do not have the awe, you have no expectation of that. You settle for the, the has been. You settle for what they used to be. You settle for that. Well, that's good enough. You settle for partial freedom. And I think that that's what's so important. When you lose your awe, you lose the room for the new you, the, the new dimension of experiencing God, the new aspect that God wants to do in your life. And so many of us, we have allowed our struggles to become big. That, But actually, it's not that your struggles are actually big or hard. I think for many of us, we've lost that awe of God to know that he's bigger than the struggle. He's bigger than your battle. He's bigger than the thing that you're waiting on for the breakthrough. That if you understand who our God is, then there's a confidence and a rest that Hebrews 4 talks about. There's a rest, which means a confident expectation that God's going to come through because he is who he says he is. I love what you said right there, boo. Your problem is not that your life is hard. Your problem is that you've lost your awe of God. Mm, yeah. Wow. Number four, awe keeps my focus on what and who has the ultimate importance. Come on. And when you have awe in your life, it takes God out of the hobby zone. 
you know, everybody talks about relationships. How do I get out of the friend zone? You know, kind of <laughs> trying to hook up with a honey. That's good. You know, in a holy way. Hello. And uh, they're trying to get out of the friend zone. Let me tell you right now, you need to take God out of the hobby zone. You know what the hobby zone is? It's what you move towards when you have nothing else to do. And I think so many people, their approach to God is I've got nothing else to do. So I'm going to now do God because I took care of all these other things. No, take God out of the hobby zone. Because the fear of God means you take God more seriously than anything else. All keeps my focus. I'm not in awe of what people think about me. I'm not in awe of what they're saying in the social media or what they're saying in culture. I'm not in awe of what the woke crowd is saying. I'm not in, in, what, in terms of what the, the party crowd is saying, not in terms of what the hipster crowd is saying, not in terms of what the fashion community, this dude that designed my favorite pair of kicks, I'm not in awe of what he says. I'm in awe of Jesus. Come on. And that keeps my focus on what and whom should have the ultimate importance. It's not that those other things don't carry a level of significance, but the ultimate importance is the one that you should have all for, and that should be God. We've all seen them old videos. I think it began way back in the day, my grandma's era or my mom's era, when Elvis would come out, all these people would see Elvis and they would scream and they'd pass out. And then it came through and then the whole Motown crowd, people would do that for Michael Jackson. <laughs> and then it came through the boy band. And now you got the little K-pop crew right, and the right. kids scream and pass out. What happens is these people get in the presence of these entertainers. They get filled with awe and they pass mm. out. But I want to do like John in Revelation. It says, when he Come saw on. the man whose face was like lightning, his eyes were like the sun shining, he fell as though dead. That's the one right. that's going to bring. When your face looks like lightning and your eyes like the sun shining, then you should inspire awe. Mm. Number five, keep it 100. Tribe, our last and final takeaway for this episode is my lifestyle always reveals what has captured my awe. Oh, that's so good. If you're not getting your wonderment vertically, then you'll be shopping for the buzz of wonder on the horizontal plane where it can be found and that will always leave you failing. One of Jesus' most important parables, and this has just been burning in my heart, boo, is one of Jesus' most important parables is actually one of his shortest. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field in which a man found. And when he found this treasure, the Bible says in Matthew 13, 44, when he finds it in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So think about it. 10 minutes before this man's discovery, the thought of selling all and selling out was not even in his thoughts. Mm. But 10 minutes later, he couldn't move quick enough to the point where he's not just selling it in joy. He is excited about giving up everything to get this treasure. And I believe that my lifestyle, when it's captured by all is proof, I have found the treasure. The yes. pearl of great price is a relationship with Jesus Christ that's pure, it's clean. I fall short. I've got areas where I'm constantly having to plead the blood of Jesus, y'all, over my life. But at the end of the day, I, you don't have to talk me into surrender. You don't have to talk me right. into conviction. You don't have to talk me into the priority of the Bible and mm -hmm. what it states in my life. Come on. Because I have found the treasure I sell out and enjoy. I'm excited about it. All throughout my life, when God pointed his finger at something, some some of those things were easier to give up than others. Some were hard. Sure. But I gave them up and enjoy. I would do it all over again because I found the treasure. My question for you is have you found that treasure? Have you really found that treasure? Because if you not found that treasure, you're looking in some empty places and you'll never find the true treasure. The true treasure, and there's no greater treasure, 
It's not bullions of gold. It's not winning a lottery. It's not all of a sudden becoming insta famous. It's not you had the the song that made the, the highest number of downloads. At the end of the day, the treasure is the smile of God upon the human heart. You sleep better at night. You have a peace that you don't need a medication to get you to because you can't lose that when it's built on Jesus. So I just want to challenge you right now. If you've not found that treasure, you can cry out right now. And that ultimate treasure, literally on the other end of your confession, you say, Jesus is Lord. You have to come into your life. On the other end of that, you discover the treasure, but guess what? Now the treasure lives in you. Come on. This week, we really want you to walk away with what Sean just said. You know, we live in a world that constantly wants to bring the shock, but God wants to bring the awe. And the the authentic awe of God is what we want you to walk away with. If you're listening today and you're like, how do I get that back? I want to encourage you, go get some time with Jesus. Go get some time where you're just talking it through with him and bring to that place, that place of repentance where you've allowed the busyness, where you've allowed the shock of the world to overrun the awe and your awe has eroded, but God wants to restore the reverence back in your life. You know, when there's an exchange and God is in his kindness and his mercy is always looking for that transaction. As we come, we come to his presence. I want to invite you friends. If you're listening today, don't miss this opportunity to take this podcast and actually apply it to your life because we believe as you apply it, you're going to see the awe of God restored back in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Keep it 100 Tribe. You will not want to miss our next episode. Make sure to join us as we talk about modern day deliverance and needed power encounters. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100.